Hi everybody, today with me I have Nuance Bro, a YouTuber who has been gaining a lot of traction lately. I first discovered him I think about two months ago and I saw him doing political interviews out in the public and talking to people and asking them their opinions and then I've seen that he's also been making some more videos that just share his opinions and I just thought it would be interesting to have a chat with him and find out more about his background and what he's doing and just discover him as a YouTuber and as a person. So, hi. Hi. How are you doing today? Doing well, having a nice little conversation, hopefully. Uh, nice to meet you. Do you not share your your real name? So I should just refer to you as Nuance Bro? Yes. Okay, I, I figured it Although it's not, it's not that hard to find out who I am, so it's whatever. Okay, and I, I am very curious about the shades. I, I've never seen any video where you're not wearing shades, and I assume it's for a similar reason of just being discreet. There is one where I'm not wearing shades, but I'll let you let you guys find that one. Okay. Uh, so the first thing that I thought about when I saw you doing your videos was, why did you get started? I know that sounds super obvious, but could you just talk about that? Yeah, sure. So I've always kind of enjoyed politics and you know people talking about issues i always liked you know conversing with people who held different political beliefs and i always saw you know i've seen different kinds of videos that i felt like were kind of what i was it's kind of like what i'm doing right now you know way back in the day like during the occupy wall street kind of days you know i saw people like this one guy uh chase whiteside i believe he was with uh new left media there was another guy blogger interrupted there was you know, Adam Kokesh, there was all different kinds of people that I saw doing this. And I always felt like, you know, maybe there was a perspective that, you know, they were coming from that maybe I could offer a different perspective that I thought was more interesting, or I felt like certain questions weren't being asked. And, you know, I just felt like I would do a good job at it. And people seem to enjoy it so far. So, yeah. So you kind of wanted to find out about different perspectives. That's what I, I just heard. Am I hearing you correctly? Yeah, I mean, it's just about doing a different or better job at it. Um, you know, I, I guess I was arrogant enough to think I would do a better job. So I, I'll let the viewers decide. Okay, I think you're doing a pretty good job. Have you, had you ever done anything like that before? Like being involved in, I guess, producing or speaking to people in that kind of setting? Or was this all new to you and you learned no, along the way? It's pretty, it's pretty new to me. I mean... Uh, I mean, I used to do like I, I used to. I went to like a performing arts school when I was younger, so I'm I'm used to like speaking in front of crowds. It's not that difficult for me, but um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a new format as far as like you know filming my content, producing it, all that stuff. It's it's new. Okay, um, would you mind sharing your background, like where you're coming from? For example, a lot of my videos I, I talk about being an immigrant and coming to the U.S. Like do you think that influences why you do what you do? And is there anything maybe you think maybe people would be curious about that you could let them know? Sure. Um, well, I guess I kind of stand out as a statistical anomaly. I was born in San Francisco, which is considered one of the most, you know, sort of leftist liberal progressive areas in the entire country. Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not exactly like, you know, some sort of right wing religious conservative or I'm not really super left wing either, but I've kind of seen all different sides. I've been on all different sides throughout my, you know, years of growing up. 
And I, you know, I guess I've, I've just kind of seen things from a different perspective. Like if you were to categorize me simply based on like demographical information, I usually don't fit in any of those areas. So that's what I meant by statistical anomaly. So <clears throat> I guess it's a sort of unique upbringing in that sense. And yeah, I, I've, I've always kind of, I had always a bit of a contrarian streak in me, which I think is kind of healthy starting out just to be kind of skeptical and questioning things and always coming at things from different angles. And I think it develops like your sense of the world and, you know, cause if you're always questioning things and questioning yourself and what you believe in and what others believe, you're going to come out the end of that with a more nuanced perspective, I, w- I would say. Okay. Um, what is it like being on the ground, uh, speaking to people? What's the, I guess, atmosphere, especially if maybe you don't agree with someone else's opinion? Because I, I think that that's very different from doing, say, what I do where I sit, you know, behind my, my laptop and observe and then speak, but through the internet versus talking to other people. What do you think they're, what the difference is like? Yeah, so there's obviously the interview format that I do, and I also do commentary similar to what you do as well. And I personally enjoy the interview format. I like to talk to people. I like to interact with people. I like the back and forth. I like actually hashing out ideas in real time. And you, you kind of see how people react like, oh, I've never thought of that before. And you know these kind of little epiphanies and stuff. Uh, I love that personally. Uh, I'm not as big of a fan of the monologues and doing the commentary and stuff. I'm sure I'll grow to like it more over time. Um, but, uh, I, I like dealing with people and, you know, with the way they think and how they come to think things they do. I'm always fascinated about why people believe what they believe. Is it actually because they understand the principles behind it? Is it because they've kind of grown up in an environment where they just mimic those around them? That's what I'm trying to figure out with my videos. And that's why I try to approach things the way I do. And I try to get people to kind of come at things from a different perspective than they're normally used to. Because a lot of these people I talk to, they they think they know a lot of them. Like I've talked to them, they're like, oh no, I'm, I'm totally convinced on this issue. I know what I'm talking about. And I've had this in my private life as well. And I'm like, well, just hear me out for a second. And I talk to them for like, you know, 20, 30 minutes. And they're like, whoa, I've never heard that point. And I've never heard that point you made. I thought I knew everything, but I didn't. And then sometimes they just change their mind completely after, you know, a little bit of time of talking to them. So I think we don't do enough talking in today's society. We all just kind of scream at each other or we're like, you suck or you're evil or you you don't like, you're racist or you hate babies. And it's like, let's just talk to each other like people and have a conversation and then be open-minded that you could have your mind changed or I could have my mind changed. So that's my opinion. That's one of the things I wanted to ask you actually. If in you speaking to people, has anyone changed your mind, flipped your opinion on a topic? And if so, what? Or even gotten close. Has that happened at all? Oh, it happens in life all the time. Um, if has it happened during the the interviews I've done? I'm not. I'm not. I don't think so. It's nothing pops out at me. But um, okay. you know, even recently on certain issues, like I've had my minds changed um, on certain things. Could you give an and, example? Uh, what's that? Could you give an example? Oh, like what's what would be? I mean, some some things I go back and forth on, like the death penalty. Am I super passionate about the death penalty? No, not necessarily. Like, I don't know how I totally feel about that. Certain things, like uh, like abortion. Uh, you know, it's like, okay, what's the what's the line? Where do we draw that line? Is it right at conception? Is it all the way up until birth? And then you kind of figure out 
little places here in between, and I go back and forth on where I stand on that sometimes. Uh, you know, even things like immigration, it's like, all right, is it, is it just so we, is it like, oh, well I'm for total immigration. Like anyone can come here as long as we get rid of the welfare state and then, you know, let it be consistent with like sort of free market capitalistic ideas, free exit and borders kind of ideas. Or is it like, no, we believe in preserving the idea of a nation and immigrants should only fall in line with those nationalistic cultural ideals. Uh, we need to have a monoculture sort of thing. I, I used to go back and forth on that as well, and I've changed my mind on certain things relating to that. That that's really interesting because I I definitely don't hear people speak about that much um, about that that shift, if and when it occurs. And I think you might maybe inspire me to be a bit more open with people about things that I'm not so certain about because those are the things that I'm most passionate about the things I'm certain about, so I don't speak about them as much, but the things I'm uncertain about, maybe I could speak about them. Something else I wanted to ask you was if you had any interesting experiences, like maybe something dramatic happened when you were out there. I guess I guess in my mind what you do seems like a place where something bad could happen because you say the wrong thing because everybody's really heated. Has anything happened to you? It's like that. Um... I'm really bad at categorizing things like that in my head. Like I don't rank order like, oh, this is the craziest thing that happened. Um, there's some crazy things. Like when I went to the the Milo event in Berkeley, uh, you know, there was a bunch of police and they were like on top of their game as far as trying to make sure no violence was occurring. And I remember these two, if you you can see it in my, in my part two video of the Milo event, it's right in the beginning. I kind of made like a little, you know, I made like a little montage in the beginning, but basically these two girls were kind of like screaming in each other's face and, you know, shoving each other and stuff. So then I tried to get in between them and try to make the peace. I'm like, yo, like, let's keep it peaceful. And as right as I said, let's keep it peaceful, this line of officers just came in and started shoving everybody out of the way. And I played the music like, move, bitch, get out the way. Oh, really? <laughs> That's pretty, yeah, it was pretty funny. Okay, okay. I guess, I guess that is kind of cool. I've never been... Um, nope, I've, I've pretty much played safe. <laughs> I don't think I've ever been in a situation like you should, that. You should get out there. You should have some conversations with people. That's what we need more of. Yeah, I guess mm, I do have the time. And I think I also have the interest. And I also do like to talk to people. So I'll think about it. I'll think about it. Yeah. Uh, but challenge yourself. Maybe change your minds on some things, too. Yeah, I, I think it's, I actually, um, I had a little tiff with uh, a friend I was just making. She was like a mutual friend of my very, very good friend. And um, she teaches and she was, we started talking about gun control. And I won't get into the detail of the conversation, but I think just speaking to her. And I think also the same way, because she was very like passionate about it and did not think what, what I thought about it. But I think because we were talking in person, I was a lot more open to what she had to say, which I, I try to think that I'm not like that, but I think that it does influence me if I am speaking to someone um, directly versus hearing about their opinions or like reading about it or listening abstractly um, and then thinking about what's being said. I think I'm more influenced by it. She didn't change my mind actually, but I still think that I thought about it I was more open to what to what was being said because it was someone I was being I was friends with and 
becoming. Yeah, we, we know this from science that people are going to do better in a one-to-one environment when they talk about ideas because there's less sort of tribalistic tendencies. When you keep it in a group, like I don't know if you saw the CNN town hall no. uh, for the gun control thing where they had Marco Rubio up there. And if they really cared about a productive conversation, they wouldn't have done it in that sort of environment. They would have had it more of like a one-on-one sort of thing with no audience. Because when, when the audience is there, you start grandstanding and you're trying to appeal to the audience. And the audience feels emboldened because they hear people who are angry, emotions are high. And they all kind of like get in this sort of gang, uh, you know, mob mentality. And they're like, yeah, like, oh, it, like I, I made the comparison that I thought it was kind of like, I don't know if you saw um, the third of the Batman series. What was it? The Dark Knight Rises where they had these sort of kangaroo court. And they were doing death or exile, and everyone's like, "Yeah, this is like this is merely a sentencing hearing." It was like this sort of crazy thing where they were just sentencing people to exile. It kind of seemed like that, and it was just like this mob rule, no sort of like you know civilized debate. One on one's always better than a group because then people are a little bit more rational. They keep their guard a little more down. They're going to talk to you like a human instead of like the enemy that they're fighting in some sort of tribal battle. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I definitely agree. And I, I think everybody, most people would agree with that and uh, or use of technology and social media has definitely been driving us to be more, as you put it, tribalistic because we're not interacting one-on-one. Do you consider yourself, um, say, conservative or Republican or libertarian or anything like that? Would you Do you have a label, which you may not, that you would put on yourself? And if so, what would that label be? I mean... You know, conservatives call me liberal, liberals call me conservative, uh, liberal, libertarians call me uh, authoritarian, and authoritarians call me, you know, anarchists. So uh, it, it goes all over the place. It depends who you talk to. Uh, as far as what I think personally about myself, I'd say I'm a pretty liberty-minded, freedom-loving individual who still believes in, you know, certain ideas are better than others. I don't think all ideas are the same. I think, you know, the a lot of the principles found in the founding documents are really good. I think a lot of the, the founding fathers had to say, um, some of the Enlightenment philosophers, I think those are better ideas than a lot of the ideas out there. And those are kind of the things that my views lend themselves towards. So I'm generally a pretty freedom-loving person. Yeah, I saw um, you made a couple of videos about gun control and... Um it's my, one of my favorite topics. Right. I, one of my questions was, is there anything that you're really passionate about? And I, I was thinking from looking at, your, looking at your channel that maybe that was it. And is there, is there anything else other than that? And could you tell me, sorry, I'm bombarding you. Could you tell me why maybe you're so passionate about that? Did you, is there a reason behind, behind that perhaps? The passion for the, for the gun control thing? Yes, yes. And then also if there's anything else that you're passionate about. Well, there's other things I'm passionate about, but the gun one is my my number one issue personally, just because uh, I understand the history behind it. I think a lot of people who try to promote the gun control narrative have zero clue about the history. The first gun control laws in America were designed to prevent slaves from owning guns. Mm-hmm. And then later on, after you know slavery wasn't a thing, then it was specifically blacks from having guns and things like that. And it's always been designed, gun control throughout history in any society has always been designed to have some sort of controlled underclass or a class of people that they don't want having power or they want to keep controlled. Uh, it's always been about depriving them of rights and having rights for others who could control those people. And 
I don't want to be a slave ever in my life. And I know that, you know, if, if someone says we're going to disarm you, it's because they want to enslave and control you. So I don't ever want that to happen to me. I don't, you know, that's, I mean, if you look in history, all the major genocides always started with gun control, whether it was Cambodia, China, the former Soviet Union, Nazi Germany, uh, you know, even the Armenian genocide, all of those started with some sort of gun control or registration scheme. And then massacres happened after that. I'm not saying it's going to happen in every case in every country, but that's how it starts. And I still believe in the sovereignty of the individual and being able to like the only person at the end of the day who's responsible for your safety and your life is you. And we even have like, you know, Supreme Court precedent, different federal circuit court precedent saying if the cops don't protect you, you can't really sue them and win if they fail to protect you. So, I mean, that, that's even with the case at the Florida school, just because the cop went in there, like if someone tried to sue the police department for that, they're not going to win in court because the police have no duty to protect you. So uh, if they're going to hold those kind of rulings on us, that you, there's no sort of recourse if the police fail to protect you, well, the ultimate responsibility lies on yourself and you have to provide protection for yourself. That's my opinion. Uh, I'm going to still ask you about anything else, but I wanted to pause here. First of all, I 100% I agree with you, Anna, and I also am quite passionate about gun control, but from the perspective of coming from um, another country that has a lot of crime, but also very strict uh, gun control laws. And when you Where are you from? Country, I'm from Jamaica. And, um, when yeah, you, Jamaica has a lot of crime, yes, it, despite yes. having lots of gun control. Yes, I, I think your um, private citizens are only allowed to own handguns. And then there's also a very strict um, registration system. I think people have to endorse you or something like that. Um, and so often, I have so I have so many memories of listening to the news and hearing three men were shot down by gunmen today on the streets of blah blah blah. Like so often, and it, it's it was and when I was younger, I never really uh, thought about you know gun control or thought about it in that way, but as I'm getting older and then realizing, and also actually researching and doing more history on uh, homicide rates, which just went way up after they implemented gun control. Um, that changed my mind, but I'm going off topic. What I wanted to say was that you, you said that you think that gun control laws are only really implemented to remove rights from one set of people to create an underclass that can't protect themselves or to control them. And I definitely agree when you were talking more on the level of genocides and um, places like China or the Soviet Union, places you're talking about where they disarm the population first. But do you think that's really true? Because I'm not sure that it's always because of uh, trying to create an underclass. Like it, it doesn't have to be like some sort of nefarious intention all the time by you know politicians. But look how it plays out here in the United States. Where do we have the strictest gun control laws? It's where we have the most diverse demographics. It's in the mm -hmm. cities like Chicago, Washington, D.C., Detroit, Los Angeles, Oakland, places where there's higher amounts of, you know, different ethnicities like Hispanics or blacks, for example. Mm -hmm. uh, but is, is, it, is there that much in the areas that are more predominantly white and rural? Not so much. <laughs> so, no, uh, I mean, it kind of plays that. out that way. Even in, in, even in the United States, you see stricter gun control laws on, you know, minority communities. And... That's that's how it plays out. Yeah, this is totally unrelated, but um, that's something I found very strange. Being in the U.S. was that most of the minority communities were were concentrated 
um, in the cities. And it sort of made sense more for recent immigrants, but if you think about um, Black Americans, I don't like using the word African American, um, which is my personal taste. They've been here for a long time, so why are they in in um, cities? And I did talk to someone who was from he was from Mississippi, and he was saying that you can find more Black Americans in rural areas if you go where he's from, like in the south. But I can't verify that; I've never been there. But that's something I find really strange. Um, you know, coming from a place full of bush, as we call it in the country, that's not, this is a rural areas that's full of black people. So I just, yeah, I just that's more that of like a, a Western thing as far as poor people living in the, in the cities. If you go to places that are actually more developing and, you know, actually really like third world type of poor, the poor live in like the countryside or like the rural areas um, whereas the more well-off people live in the cities, uh, it's kind of almost inversed here in the United States. Although there's lots of rural areas, like you know, you, you talked about your friend, especially in the in the South. It's because of our unique history here in the United States. You know, slavery and you know um, different things. But um, yeah, especially in like the South, um, there's a lot more blacks in like these like sort of rural areas. Um, as well, but they mo a lot of the migration happened to the cities because that's where the opportunity was. Mm -hmm. So people move there, um, you know, to get money and jobs and things like that. Okay. Okay. Um, was there anything else that you're passionate about other than gun control, or you think that's the only thing? Not yeah, I mean, it's it's the one the one I'm most passionate about. I mean, there's plenty of things I'm passionate about, like you know, uh, civil liberties as far as you know, free speech. Uh, Fourth Amendment sort of search and seizure laws, um, yeah, all kinds of things. But I, I usually don't speak about my opinion in depth too much on my channel because I try to keep it a little bit more neutral and more factual rather than just like, you know, this is my opinion and this is what's right. I try to be a little bit more neutral um, with that. Do you have any interests outside of politics? Yeah, I love uh, you know traveling. I have a lot of like uh, I even put up two videos on my channel uh, where I was like in first class flights. I like to do a lot of these like really fancy international first class flights where the flights are normally like twenty five thousand dollars a ticket or whatever. But I have like my own ways of getting it where it's like for that thirteen thousand dollar ticket, I pay five dollars or something. Hmm. But um, there's that. I like uh, obviously I like firearms and guns, things like that. Those are really uh, interesting to me. Um, <laughs> Just the thing itself, or is it like maybe like a, a family tradition or like a specific thing? Like you like the hunt? No, like, I'm the only just, one in my family, fire. really. Who I mean, there's no, I'm, I was born and raised in San Francisco. There's not much of a gun culture in San Francisco, huh. so this That's is really all me. Um, I converted a lot of my family to be sort of pro gun and embrace that stuff. And you know, I've made I've told some of them like, all right, I'll go with you and I'll help you buy your first gun, sort of thing. So, so I, I usually convert a lot of the people I hang around with. <laughs> so is it you're saying it's more of like the the civil the civil liberties kind of thing than um, some recreational idea in terms of what what do you what do you mean being so for guns? You're saying that it's more of a I'm just trying to find the reason because I I know it's not just because of the actual object. You know, like maybe you're you're like an engineer. Or no, something. I mean, yeah, so that's what I'm trying to find out. It's not like, just because I like them. It's yeah, it's more yeah. of like the philosophy behind it. I okay. believe in like the philosophy of freedom, 
and because I understand history and I know what's happened okay. throughout history with, you know, gun control and things like that. Okay. And I think my last question that I thought of thinking about interviewing you was, um, I did see you had a video kind of titled that, but I didn't go and watch it. Um, what's your focus and the, your goal for Nuance Bro for the channel? You know, like what's your, your long-term vision? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of, you know, I've, I've kind of alluded to it at certain points in this conversation, but generally having conversations with people, you know, just, you know, having the talk one-on-one -on -one sort of things and, uh, you know, exposing people to new ideas, having the conversation, uh, just a different perspective on things, a more nuanced perspective, Not nothing super partisan. I'm not here to, you know, there's plenty of channels where they're just pushing one agenda. They're like, you, you know, the, the sort of cookie cutter, like, we're conservative and we believe this, or we're liberal progressives and we believe this, and this is what we believe, and we're righteous because we believe this. And it's like, it's kind of like red meat for the people who believe that stuff. It's, but I, I don't find it too interesting to hear people who just want to tell me what I want to hear. Mm -hmm. I find it more interesting to hear things that either I haven't heard before or, you know, kind of challenge my existing belief system. Uh, things like that are more interesting to me. So that's what the channel's more about. Um, I actually think that's that's really interesting um, yeah. because I definitely like to learn, but I do think something goes off in my brain if I'm, uh, what do you call it? Okay, so I do spend a lot of time looking at other the other side of or someone who has a different opinion on me when it comes to a certain topic especially when i'm doing research for a video and i want to understand where they're coming from but i feel like i can see the arguments but there's still sort of a barrier in my brain that makes me really want to they have to like really come with lots of data and evidence for it for me to be convinced even though someone else who i already agree with might not come with so much evidence and data there's, it's still good, but it's just not as much. I'm just saying the burden of proof is way higher for the, the side that I don't agree with. I, I'm just admitting that. About well, what myself. you can also do is not see them necessarily as the side you disagree with. Like, imagine if it was a person, for example, like a lot of people who support Trump or a lot of people who support Hillary. They've done these experiments where you go out to them and you just say, oh, well, what do you think about, you know, if it's a Hillary supporter, you say, well, I want to read you out some of Hillary's, you know, positions. And then you read out literally what Donald Trump believes or something mm -hmm. to them. And they'll be like, oh, I agree with that. That's great. It's like, well, do you really disagree with the substance behind the ideas? Or is it the person or like the political party that you identify with? Is it like a tribal thing rather than an actual ideas thing? Mm -hmm. So you got you to gotta try to trick your mind to be like, okay, what if Obama said this? Or what if Trump said this? How would I react to it? Yeah. sort of thing so always try to get rid of that personal tribal bias that you might have yeah yeah you're you're, you're definitely right and um i have found myself for example uh, i don't talk about trump very much on my channel but what i do is almost saying that i just don't think he's a terrible person but he made a lot of uh, tweets not a lot but there are a couple of things lately that he did that i really didn't like and i briefly mentioned it on twitter and I was thinking to myself, I'm probably more likely to make a video saying why I don't think he's that bad than make a video saying, oh, my God, I really don't like that he's doing this. And maybe it would be better. Well, what does bad mean? Does it mean his policies are bad or he's as a person bad? Because you can be a terrible person and have great policies. 
but you can mm-hmm. also be a great person and have terrible policies. So me personally, I'm not really convinced. I'm not, I mean, I'm not convinced. I'm, not, I'm not personally concerned about who someone is necessarily personally, if they're the leader of the free world, I don't care if I have to like them. I just want to like their policies personally for the most part. There's, there's obviously some exceptions. Like they can't be like totally like, you know, they can't be like some Hitler esque person up there. Who's talking about, you know, burning Jews, but doesn't actually do it sort of thing. But, you know, generally speaking, I, I value the substance and policies over, you know, personal, like, Oh, does he cheat on his wife sort of stuff? Yeah. Um, I agree with you. The, the reason why I was never always saying, I don't think he's that bad is because I don't think he's, much worse than any other politician, even though people were like trying to paint him that way. But I did mean um, policy stuff. I also, I've always thought that he was kind of like brash or things like that, but I, I don't really care that much about that stuff. So um, the personality thing, or I also don't think I can get a proper picture of who someone is through media portrayal of them. So I do try to refrain from, you know, like this person is on like their soul is great or cause I, I feel like I can't really see that. Yeah. Generally speaking, but I think it's not too hard to see like generally what kind of person Trump is. I don't think it's that hard, but I think some people try to read into him like the way they wish to see him rather than the way he actually is. Yeah. I don't think I, I can um, see him properly, but I think that I am more reserved about that. Um, I'm, I've always been like that. It's not just Trump, just in terms of like celebrities or people who are, who are in the media a lot. And I do think that I am, um, more reserved in, in that way than most people. So I think that was all of my, my questions for you. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Inside reach out to you and I wish you luck with everything you're doing. I think it's great that you're trying to bring the more nuanced view. I really... I really think so. And that you're being successful at it because I do think a lot of people do want that. But um, the public maybe doesn't want that because like you said, they're throwing red meat. So I think uh, you're attracting people. And I think that's I think that's really good. And I agree that we need to have um, more dialogue between people. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, thank you.